In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you are not aware of it, the Gospel according to St. Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels. If you were to pick it up and start it right now, you would be probably about halfway through with it by the time we ended the liturgy. Um, By the time we ended this service this morning. Now, that doesn't mean that Mark leaves out many things as much as he truncates what he gives us, often mentioning that something has happened while St. Matthew and St. Luke, the other two of the synoptic gospels, give us more details to the events. In today's reading from the gospel, Mark has three things that happen in quick succession while the other two Gospels show them to us in much greater detail. First, Jesus is baptized by St. John the Baptist in the River Jordan. Next, in only one sentence, Mark shows us that Jesus is driven out into the wilderness and tempted for 40 days. Following that, we have only two sentences explaining that Jesus went into Galilee and began his own ministry of preaching the gospel there. And the message is very straightforward. The time is near. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe this good news. Believe this gospel. At first glance, it doesn't seem like there's a lot here to discuss, to sink our teeth into, and to make a convincing story, maybe even a convincing sermon. But like so many things in these Gospels, there's more here than meets the eye. And in this rather tight passage, there is a structure that is the pattern for all of our lives. Baptism, wilderness, and proclamation. Christian life begins with baptism. Either being baptized as an infant or someone more advanced in years, Baptism is the initiation into the family of God, into the priesthood of believers that all Christians are part of. Now, after baptism comes something that none of us wishes to admit happens, but it does. We go out into the wilderness. We are tested and tempted, all of us. And for most of us, this is not a a once-in-a-lifetime event either. This is something that happens constantly. The wilderness is the place of refinement, the place where you learn not only more about who God is, but also about who you truly are. More on that in just a bit. And once you've finished your time in the wilderness, you find yourself back among people perhaps whom you know, perhaps even people whom you don't know, and you have two choices. Either you can proclaim the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus and his love, or you can stay silent to pretend that nothing has happened and maybe even try to forget, in one sense, all that has happened before the present moment. This is basically the pattern of life for Christians. We all follow these steps and these stages of life. We might call them by different names, but it's still the same pattern. 
And today, being the first Sunday in Lent, I would like for us to focus our attention on the second of these stages, the wilderness stage. Now, when the gospel writers speak of wilderness, the first thing we must do is wrap our minds around the environment that they're presenting to us. A desert-like scene is probably more appropriate than a forest clad with trees and with moss. Now, this isn't quite the wilderness of Lewis and Clark, as much as it is the wilderness we might expect to see in a John Wayne or a John Ford movie. It's desert-like, but it's not quite as sandy as the Sahara Desert, but it's certainly rocky and rugged. Now, an image that we tend to gravitate towards is the wilderness is that like deserts they are, lifeless. There's no plants or animals anywhere to be found. But if you've ever spent much time out west, you know that this is actually not the case. Wilderness life and wilderness living is a different sort of living than, say, here on the coast. When you're in the wilderness, you can't go out and fish. You can't set traps for crabs. You can't wait for the shrimp boats to come back into port to fill your ice chests. There's life out there in the wilderness, but it looks very different than what we are accustomed to here. Beetles and centipedes, snakes and, well, bugs that are just rather strange to us are all there. And there's even a plant life that has adapted to living in such harsh environments. What all this amounts to is this. Rather than seeing the wilderness as some place where death is likely, the wilderness is a place where you must change the way you survive, the way you live into the present moment. Yes, there's that sense of dying to self, of blasting away things that are unnecessary, but that isn't the same as a mortal death. The wilderness is where you have to unload must, most of the luxuries in your pack and only take the bare essentials. What good are riches in the terrain when you need to pack more water and more food in order to make it to the other side? Or what good is a porterhouse steak and a bottle of vintage red wine when you can't even find enough wood to make a fire and cook the steak properly, much less enjoy the wine. Wilderness life requires a stripping away. And part of what we must avoid is the temptation to overpack, to try to prepare for every single circumstance when it's only a few that we're likely to encounter. Just ask any backpacker and hiker you don't take an umbrella into the desert, and you also don't pack your swimsuit if you're headed to the Arctic Circle. But there's something else about the wilderness that we need to acknowledge. Something about the wilderness that doesn't get mentioned a lot. In order to do that, we need to think back to Adam and Eve for a few minutes. The man and the woman were placed in Eden in a garden, in a place of happiness and delight, some place that all of us would like to be. But something happened in that garden, in that place of 
eternal bliss. Sin entered the world. Eve, and eventually Adam, listened to a voice, not the voice of God, but of a corrupted angel, of the Satan, and ate of something forbidden. Even with everything else they had available to them, they ate of the one thing that they knew they were not supposed to eat. And if they did eat it, they would die because they would become sinful. Afterwards, when God found them in hiding, he had to drive them out of that garden into the wilderness to protect them from the tree of life, which also was in the garden. Man possessed the garden, the ultimate good. But listening to a voice that they should not have listened to and doing what they knew they should not do forced them into a place where they did not want to be. Now, here comes Jesus. And the story of Jesus, sometimes we think it begins in Bethlehem, in a manger, in a stable, but that's not where the story of Jesus really begins. It begins with the Annunciation, with the angel Gabriel, a true and trustworthy angel, telling Mary that she was the God's chosen one to bear the Christ child. And Mary reversed what Eve had started by saying yes to God's will. And now Jesus has been born, has grown into a man, has been baptized, and where does Jesus find himself? He finds himself in that same wilderness that Adam and Eve and Moses and Abraham and Noah and David and all of the rest of the prophets and patriarchs from the Hebrew scriptures were in. But something happens that's quite different. Instead of taking fruit from a forbidden tree, Jesus offers himself upon a tree, upon the cross. And where is Jesus laid? Well, in a tomb that is found in a garden. Jesus rises from this tomb, rises in this garden, becoming, as St. Paul describes, the first fruits of those who sleep. Jesus seals off the wilderness of sin and death from us by his resurrection. But even Jesus had to pass through the same wilderness that we go through. That is why we engage with vigor during these 40 days of Lent. We must pass through the same wilderness like Jesus did. And Jesus knows what we go through each day because he himself went through those same temptations and struggles. Jesus isn't some deity who sits in heaven and has no concept of our, of our struggles and our desires. Jesus has experienced all of them. Perhaps even temptations that you and I cannot imagine. Because Jesus has been there before us, we know that we too can endure the wilderness. And after we endure it, we can come out the other side. 
When you go into places that you don't know, it pays to listen to the advice and expertise of others who have been there before you. We have our guide. The question is if we will listen to him. Isn't that what the voice said in our gospel reading last week during the transfiguration? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus, for he will guide you out of the wilderness and into the land of joy and delight. And when you reach that other side, join with him and with all the saints who have gone before and say to everyone whom you meet, the kingdom of heaven has come near. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.